Good morning, everyone. Let me be like the 10th person to say to you this morning, happy Easter. It is so great to be together. To all of my friends watching online, happy Easter to you. I'm so glad you could be with us, and uh, we're really looking forward to a moment where we can all be gathered in, uh, in our uh, different congregations across the city. Uh, if you would, turn with me to Matthew 28. And I just want to begin with reading the Easter story, or at least part of the Easter story is told by Matthew. We're here after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, we thank you for this, uh, for this moment in the midst of, uh, of what, has, <laughs> what has been a year, what has been a season. Um, we are just so thankful um, for the timing Lord, of this story. And so I pray as we look at this text, as we look at a few of the words uh, spoken by the angels, as we uh, look at um, the, the reaction, Lord, of the women to, um, to finding the empty tomb, as we ask questions again of what it looks like to be uh, people who live in light of what happened, this definitive moment in time where everything changed. God, would you open our eyes, ears, and hearts that we would encounter you, be encouraged by you. Um, that this day, this moment here, whether we're watching online on a couch somewhere, or whether we're, for all of us that are here in this room, that this would be uh, a moment that um, is just marked by your presence. So we pray all of this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everyone said... And everyone said, amen. Uh, when my wife and I got pregnant with our second child, to be clear, when my wife got pregnant with our second child, um, we lived in this smallish condo. And, uh, and so we began looking to see if buying a house was going to be an option for us, specifically buying a house in Providence. We were planted here, rooted here. We still are planted here, rooted here, starting church communities here. This is, this is home. We, we want to be where we're, uh, you know, with the people that we're living life with and doing life with. Um, so we wanted to see if this was something, buying a house was something we could even pull off. Even back then, the housing market was uh, just brutal. So uh, we were incredibly grateful that it seemed as though there might be an option out there for us to be able to buy. So we set out on the hunt. After months and months of looking, uh, we quickly realized that we were going to need to expand our search outside of Providence. 
uh, which for me personally just felt like heresy. It was blasphemous that I would even think about moving outside of Providence. I had all of this guilt well up that I even was willing to look. Sure enough, as we expected, though, when we expanded that search, we found a little house just outside the city. Uh, It was near to a few close friends, and so we were like, okay, I think we can own this. I think we can make this work. Um, we uh, We get the owners to come down in price a little bit, Uh, And then we are able to sort of start dreaming of how um, we can make this space reflect who we were as a family. All of these assumptions began to rise up about what life then could look like, what life could look like. We um, We got into it. And then the inspection came. Turns out that, uh, the old knob and tube wiring uh, that was in all the walls and all the house had been insulated around. Uh, the joke that was made by the inspector or by a realtor, I actually don't remember which one it was, said probably the only reason that the house hadn't caught fire it was that this much older couple that owned the house and was living there, they hadn't plugged in anything more than like a toaster into the wall. And I'm imagining plugging in all of our computers. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's probably going to be the thing that tears the house down. Now, I'm quite positive they were overstating this, but it turns out that this was going to add the things that we would need to do to repair this was going to bring the house up like ten, the price, tens of thousands of dollars. Uh, and we are already, you know, kind of close to being out of range. So this house is outside the city that we were like, that we had psyched ourselves up for, that we chose to get into, was now not an option. Now, this stuff doesn't rattle me quite as much as my better half, but it, it, it did rattle me. And rightly so that my wife was a little bit more rattled. She is pregnant. We had just sold our little condo. And we're now, you know, going to be relegated to either find some place to rent temporarily or to live with mom and dad for a bit. To say that we felt unsettled would be an understatement. So the story ends with God actually providing house in the neighborhood where we were planting for um, our next congregation. But in that moment, if I go back and remember all of our assumptions, all of our assumptions about how life was going to look were completely shattered. The clarity that we had on how things were going to go, that clarity was, was gone. So this is the scene This is the scene that the woman came to that tomb to take care of the body. In their minds, it's over. There's there's a story actually about some of the disciples uh, right after Christ, right after Christ had resurrected, but no one knew that. The story about some of the disciples on the road, um, and they were just saying things like, we had hoped. They had just lost it. There's the story about one of Jesus' apprentices named Thomas who was so disillusioned that all of his friends were telling him that they had uh, seen the resurrected Jesus. And he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. There were these shattered assumptions Shattered assumptions are actually a a big part of how we understand 
trauma. And to be clear, trauma is what we have all experienced in some way this past year, whether you would use that word or not. Headline after headline after headline, I'm sure you've all seen this. They all go something like, the world is experiencing mass trauma. The world has experienced collective trauma. And I know not all of us use that word But there are these three great assumptions or basic beliefs that are assaulted. Assumptions that are impacted by trauma. One is that the world is safe, that gets impacted, that gets assaulted. Two, the world is meaningful. And the third one would be that I am valuable. There's actually a well-known theory called shattered assumption theory, um, which is like sort of a psychology of grief and a psychology of trauma. We are dealing with a lot of shattered assumptions about life. We assume that things were going to happen in a certain way. We do this all the time, but especially in this moment where we have seen so much not go the way that we thought. Assumptions that don't land where we thought they were going to land, at least not right away. Our assumptions about who we are, for instance, as a nation. Um, the assumptions that, that uh, we would be in a particular place coming out of this pandemic, our assumptions about what's safe, our assumptions about how the world works, our assumptions about how uh, people like really are, our assumptions about our leaders and that our leaders won't let us down, that people we trust won't turn out to be two-faced, our assumptions about racism and politics and work, our assumptions that our parents will live long enough to see our kids grow up. It's at a moment like this where our trust in it all takes a hit. It's like our ability to trust in anything. And anything is growing harder and harder. We no longer trust the story. Some of us no longer even trust ourselves. Uh, My friend, uh, Brittany Moroz, who's a therapist uh, here in the city, she told me in a moment like this, in this collective trauma, the anchors, like in our life, get pulled up. The anchors get pulled up. We feel unmoored. Some of us feel like wildly tossed by the waves, and then others of us feel just a bit adrift. We have this sort of low-grade, untethered feeling. Either way, it's true that the anchors are getting pulled up. And it's in the middle of all of this. We read this morning, he is risen just as he said. He is risen just as he said. Everyone thought it was over. The disciples go back to fishing. The women come to take care of the body. The scriptures say that those disciples that were on the road, it says that they were downcast. They say things like, we had hoped. Like they had hoped. We had hoped that he was who he said he was. We had hoped that things were going to turn out the way that we thought they would. He said, he said, he said this was going to look differently. Or at least we thought we understood what he said, right? We had hoped. In other words, they lost hope hope. Their trust had been shattered. Their story had been shattered. Their sense of meaning and their sense of self 
had been shattered. They were disoriented. Disoriented. Anyone else feel a bit disoriented? Disoriented by our cultural moment right now. Trying to make sense of the deconstruction that's happening all around us or just happening in our own hearts. Some of us are asking, like, can I trust what I learned in Sunday school? Others of us have this just low-grade sense of this isn't how the story I was supposed to go. Can I trust anything? I know I've mentioned this so many times, but it's like that Safari icon or that Internet Explorer icon or Google Chrome icon, whatever it is, feels like it brings with it all this existential ache and angst. Like, how am I supposed to know what's true? How can I trust anything when I know there's sort of unlimited answers with unlimited questions on top of more unlimited answers and unlimited questions. And so I felt really compelled today to remind you, to remind you in the plainest and simplest and most sincere way I know how. I want to remind you that God is trustworthy. He is risen just as he said. The resurrection announces that he will redeem just as he said. That he will rescue just as he said. He will make all things new just as he said. He will comfort just as he said. He will break down strongholds just as He said, he is risen, the angel says to the women, just as he said. The meaning of Easter is that in Jesus' resurrection, we get a glimpse of the future. One writer says the first fruits of a future hope, the inauguration of a future hope. The resurrection is a future event which has visited us in the present. It shows us that he will wipe away every tear from our eyes and it announces that a new world is breaking forth right here in the middle of this one. That things big and small are being made new. The first Christians believed that the God who was the creator, the creator of all things, of the whole world, had begun the work of new creation. The resurrection is about God remaking the whole world. And he starts by showing us that he is faithful to bring life out of death. The resurrection announces, it helps us see that we will live on in God's good world forever. That we will be resurrected to eternal life. He is risen just as he said. You can trust him in a time where it seems like you can't trust anyone. Uh, To that point, like, I'm not sure I personally would ever lose my faith in God because a theologian or a pastor or some small subset of global Christianity voted for someone or fell apart or had, like, some sort of failure. Because how... Like, how can I project upon God, upon Jesus, the untrustworthiness of human authority? Especially when Jesus warns us that people will abuse authority in the name of God. You may have little trust in people 
and little trust in institutions or little trust in politicians, but you can trust in Christ. He's risen. He's risen, just as he said. You can even trust him in death. Many of you know our dear friend Sarah lost her mother this week to MSA. It's been a week of uh, tears, and, and then more tears, and then more tears after that. Um, Sarah uh, shared with uh, a few of us uh, this letter that her mother wrote um, to her and her other sister uh, after she was diagnosed, but before she lost her ability to communicate. And it was a letter that was only to be opened and read after she passed away. Uh, I got permission from Sarah to read a little excerpt. In it, she writes, uh, to Sarah and Betsy, to read after my death from mom. Dear darling daughters, let me first say that trite, often unhelpful saying, I'm sorry for your loss. But honestly, I am. I wish I could hug you and let you hear and feel that mother blessing that says, oh, honey, it's going to be all right. Because it is going to be. In spite of the pain you feel right now. Someone told me that grief for a loved one is like an amputation. You never forget the loss. But the pain slowly goes away and you eventually learn to survive without the limb. You learn new ways to do things and life goes on. I am not sorry for myself. My journey is ended. My story is complete. And we know who wins. I wish I could describe to you the glory and joy I am experiencing. But now, as I write to you, I only know it by faith in the Lord Jesus who loves me and has never, never left my side. Hallie knew God was trustworthy. Hallie knew with the eyes of faith that he is risen and that every tear, every tear would be wiped and washed away. Come and see, the angels say. Come and see the place where he lay. Come and see these women come with no trust, little faith, no faith at this point. They come with the trauma of seemingly losing everything their life had been built upon. If you're brand new to the Christian story, these women and these apprentices of Jesus had been walking with him. They had given up everything to walk alongside him. Everything their life had been built on. And God says through the angel, come and see. Come and see is what Jesus said to Nathaniel, this uncertain seeker. That come, come and see who I am and come and see what I'm about. When Thomas was full of doubt, Jesus accommodates his skepticism. He says, come and see the wounds. On that road to Emmaus with those downcast disciples we just talked about who had lost hope, Jesus comes alongside them and helps them see that he is trustworthy, that he is alive, that there is a living hope. Jesus extends this open invitation. He extends this come and see to all of us to be assured. He like invites us. Look, I will assure you, given our forgetfulness, 
given my fallibility, given my lack of faith, because he can handle my doubts and he can handle my questions and he can handle your fears and he can handle your uncertainties. To all those in trauma, to all those who are wrestling with their shattered assumptions, God shows up full of grace and whispers to us, come and see. It's like God saying, let me roll back the stone. Because the stone, right? The stone wasn't keeping God in. The stone was keeping us out. He rolled that stone away so we could get in. He will roll your unbelief out of the way so that you can see. He will move your forgetfulness out of the way so that you can remember his goodness. He will move the hurt that others have caused you out of the way so that you can experience this healing. This is what God does. He comes to us in all of our weakness, in all of our confusion, and in all of our distrust. That stone is rolled away so the women can come and see. When you forget, when you're at your end, when there is sadness and fear in your heart, he will roll back the stone. He is faithful to come to you. Don't abandon yourself to despair. Don't give up hope. Remember, remember, we don't hope for. We don't hope for, we hope in. As followers of Jesus, we don't hope for, we hope in. We don't hope for outcomes based on our assumptions. We hope in the one who has shown us the end of the story. We hope in the one who says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. We hope in the one who will roll back the stone. It's not you go roll back the stone, not you go and find, but come, come and see. And this, my friends, is grace. The unearned favor of God. This is the God who invites us to trust that it's finished that you are loved, that you are forgiven, that you are free, that the God of the universe, the spirituality, the essence behind everything came and laid down his life for even you. And that he rose again, opening up to those of us who would follow him to open up a new life and a new world that begins now. And that, as Hallie reminds us, ends in glory. Remember my friend said to me, Andrew, in a moment like this, the anchors are getting pulled up. Our assumptions about life are getting pulled up getting shattered. Distrust is everywhere. But as for us, I thought, well, we, like it says in Hebrews, we have a hope that is an anchor for the soul. An anchor, 
an anchor that is firm and secure. So don't, don't abandon yourselves to despair. For as one writer says, we are Easter people, and hallelujah, hallelujah is our song. So let us rejoice and love and praise and adore because through the death of our Redeemer, we are called from darkness to life and from death to life and from exile to home and from grief to everlasting joy. And if we are Easter people, then we must be a voice of hope a voice that demonstrates and announces the good news of the kingdom of God, the good news that God is reconciling all things, everything back to himself, the good news that injustice and despair and fear and hatred do not have the last word. Church, church, today, Today, we have simply come to see all over again, just like the women coming to the tomb, the place where he lay. Today, we have come to hear all over again, he is risen and church. Today, we have come to confirm all over again that he did what he said he would do. He is risen just as he said. Lord, we thank you and we praise you and we give you all of the glory. For the anchor, Lord, that you are the cornerstone, the bedrock, the foundation. The unmoving, trustworthy center of everything. I praise you, Lord, that we can be rooted and established in your love. in a moment that is as disorienting socially and politically and literally physically for so many of us as this moment is, we can stand firm. We can stay anchored. We can stay rooted, Lord, because of you. you that every Easter we get to come together and repeat these words over and over and over. That whatever hardship and ache we're going through does not have the last word and that is shown to us in the resurrection. We thank you, God, for giving us a picture of the end. And we praise you, Lord, that we get to join you in what you're doing as this new kingdom, as heaven is bursting forth right here in the midst of all of the disorientation that we, Lord, can walk faithfully and strong and true and 
grace and mercy here and now in this moment. Because, Lord, you live, we can face tomorrow. Because you live, all fear is gone. And because you hold the future, life is worth the living, that abundant life. Just, Lord, because he lives.